Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama, brought to you by Built Bar. I'm Luke Robinson. Wait a minute, I got to do that again. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm doing well. I think we have a, a big commitment brewing. I do, too, and I just want to say sorry for the screw-up on, uh, on the intro there. I tried something new. Because, you know, we want to let everybody know we're brought to you by Bilt Bar, Bilt Bar, Bilt Bar. And uh, I tried something new, and it screwed me up. But <laughs> something that's not screwing up is recruiting, and we are on the verge of a big-time commitment, it seems like, or maybe a few of them, right? Could be a few. I, I, obviously, I think the focus right now is on the tackle, J.C. Latham from IMG Academy. I mean, I, I, I think – should he commit, he, he would be Alabama's biggest commitment in this class. Uh, I think there are others that could happen. Jaquincy McKinstry could happen. The Brockermeyer brothers could happen. Uh, Christian Leary could happen. So I think there's a few possibilities. But, uh, but J.C. Latham could be committing very soon. Andy Bone of uh, Rivals.com that follows Alabama recruiting, uh, in particular, seems to be vocal and optimistic. And uh, I think uh, Tim Watts from BamaOnline.com has put in a couple of crystal balls for Latham and the Brockermeyer twins. So uh, very exciting stuff as Alabama tries to uh, add commitments and, uh, and climb up these, uh, these rankings, which are really skewed at the moment due to Alabama only having six commitments. Well, they're skewed for a lot of reasons, as we've talked about a gazillion times. I mean, nobody's been able to see anybody in person for quite some time. So some of these guys may have had a growth spurt or gotten some kind of intestinal bug that made them lose 50 pounds. I mean, there's no telling with a lot of these guys. Um, but Bama Online had put out their, their projected signing class for Alabama, and there were some really interesting uh, omissions and uh, additions in this uh in this prediction they had um first and foremost the fact that christian leary wasn't on the list right. uh, wasn't necessarily eye-opening to me because i mean I, we've been hearing rumors but i just found it interesting they don't have him on there um any more news on that from your just end? a theory I, I have no news if this was news and i knew this to be true i honestly wouldn't share it because it would be too too sensitive, but in since I don't have news and I'm not aware of it, I'll just go ahead and propose my own theory is I wonder if Alabama's backing off of Christian Leary. And I say that because Alabama's only already got two wide receivers. You're probably taking four max. And why take Christian Leary when you feel you're in great shape for Brian Thomas and Malcolm Johnson, who are probably probably guys Alabama ranks ahead of Christian Leary. So it could be a situation where Alabama's like, well, we're taking four. We got two. We know the two we want. Leary's not one of them. And uh, not that, and none of that means that Christian Leary isn't a great prospect. Of course he is. But, but you know, I talk about numbers to the point all, all my friends want to kill me all the time, but really it's all about number. Everything is about numbers. How many do you take at this spot? How many do you take at this spot? Because it affects how many spots you have available for other spots. You can't just take nine wide receivers. You, you can't field a football team if you took nine receivers, you know, in a class. So you can only take four. You got two. 
and uh, and there are probably guys on the board ranking higher. So it, it's quite possible that as good as Christian Leary is, Alabama may like other guys more. Maybe that it might not be Christian Leary holding off. It might be Alabama holding him off until we see what happens with other prospects. And when that happens, then your rivals take advantage by saying, see, they don't even really like you. You know, you should play for us. We do like you and they don't. And uh, that's probably what he's hearing from those damn Barners. Yeah, that, that very well could be the case. So another um, person on this list that uh, caught my eye to some extent, somebody we've talked about recently is Luke Altmaier from uh, Starkville, Mississippi, the quarterback. Uh, you mentioned the other day you felt like he's going to stick with Florida State, and then literally the next day BOL predicts him in the class. I don't know if they right. predict him in the class just because at this point you've got to predict a quarterback in the class. We're not not picking a quarterback. So you have to predict right. a quarterback. And you don't feel great about Jalen Milrow, who's committed to Texas right now anymore. You've already right. missed on the kid that just committed to USC. Um, so all of a sudden you're sort of like, uh, okay, let's go to default mode, and maybe that's why they put him there. Well, I mean, I think it's two things. Number one, it's exactly that. I mean, if you're going to bet right now, if you're just wagering, okay, who's the most likely quarterback out there? I mean, if we got to put a name, what, what, what name is more likely to happen than the others? Uh, I agree 100%. It's Altmaier. That, that's who you put in there. You know, and in terms of how I feel about where he'll go, I think Alabama is very realistic. I think it's very realistic. There's a lot of reasons for Luke Altmaier to choose Alabama, um, you know, and with geography being principal among them. I think he's had a much longer relationship with that Florida State staff that started recruiting him at Memphis more than two years, more than two years ago. I think that's what you have to overcome. And I think in the end, the kid and his family have to weigh, you know, are we going to stick with the, the coach we know, uh, you know, stick with the relationship that we've had the longest? Or am I going to go to the more stable environment that's closer to home, though I do have to compete with, uh, with Bryce Young, you know, uh, which, which has to be a factor for, for Luke, who's going to be well aware of, uh, of Bryce Young. On the other hand, and since Luke will be a senior in high school this fall and Bryce is certainly going to play as a true freshman, assuming Luke shows up at Alabama and red shirts, he would have two years of separation uh, with Bryce. So uh, maybe it's not that big a deal, but I I'm sure it's a factor. But, yeah, I agree, of course, with BOL that you put Altmaier there. Now, would I say there's a greater than 50% chance that Altmaier ends up at Alabama? Maybe not, maybe not even 50%, but I do think my optimism that it's Altmaier in the end is growing, put it that way. Uh, I, I, I think it's very realistic. Yeah, and um, frankly, I'll be honest, I don't know that Luke Altmaier is going to be afforded the luxury of redshirting or whoever Alabama signs, because right now it's Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Paul Tyson, and then Lord knows your guess is as good as mine who the next quarterback is. And Mac Jones could be transferring or going early to the draft or Bryce Young could be right. transferring. As we've talked about a million times, we don't think he's going to transfer. Let's go ahead and say that. But we believe, I mean, these are possibilities. And so if you only sign one quarterback, I'd bet dollars to donuts or dollars to little Debbie's, you aren't going to be able to uh, have the luxury of Richard quarterback at this point. Another guy that um, was on Bama Online's list, 
uh, and frankly, I have not heard of him. And it, that's Robbie Outs, O U D T S or something. Ooh. Yeah, Outs, Outs or Outs, Outs or Outs. I'm not sure which one it is, but he's the tight end from South Carolina, right? Kind of a three-star guy. He. That's right. You know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny at tight end. It seems to be a pretty decent year for tight ends nationally, and Alabama's involved with a lot of them, including some fairly highly rated guys like Thomas Fedone from Iowa and Hudson Wolf from, from Tennessee and Lake McRae from, from, uh, from Texas. We're all guys, uh, Alabama. But it seems, I mean, it's strange. Some years this happens, and sometimes it can all happen at the same position. You're like, what's going on? But it seems like Alabama's in second place for a lot of these tight ends. Like, like it seems like Hudson Wolf is like, well, I like Alabama, but I think I'm going to Ohio State. And McCree, he, he, he just chose Southern Cal, even though he's from Texas. And uh, Fedone, you know, he's from the Midwest, but he likes Alabama a lot. But we got a tough geography to overcome there. So just kind of a strange uh, year at tight end where there's, there's several pretty good names out there. And, and Alabama seems to kind of be a lot of the big names second choice. And in recruiting, if you end up the second choice and they sign somewhere else, it doesn't matter if you finish second or 103rd. It doesn't matter at all. Uh, but there's some interesting in-state guys. You know, you know, I know nothing. A, a name I had never heard of till this week, a tight end from the Huntsville State. And I'm like, who is that guy? And I, I look the, the state over for players. So I'm always shocked when a, when a player from inside the state of Alabama I'm not familiar with commits to a big-time program. I'm like, well, where, where the hell? So, so maybe we ought to find out who that is and take a look at him real quick before he gets to Tallahassee. Um, but uh, we'll see what Alabama does at tight end. I think it's critical that Alabama sign at least one. But I think this is a good year to sign two, frankly, because Alabama will lose its top two tight ends uh, off of this team uh, and, and, and doesn't really have a clear tight end of the future unless Billingsley uh, grows. Maybe we can figure out how to lop off some of Damian George and add it to Billingsley. Can you do that? Can Jeff Allen and maybe maybe our, our doctors figure out to kind of like, you know, they do like the liposuction. You know, maybe we can lipo Damian George in one machine and then just put it into Billingsley in the other, through the other machine. That's my plan. All right. Speaking of tight ends, if you want to have a tighter end and tighter stomach and more better looking figure, then you need to eat Built Bar. Built Bar, I'm not promising it's going to tighten you up. You're going to have to work out. But Built Bar will help you. It is delicious. It's nutritious. It's unbelievable. My favorite is the pineapple upside down cake, as I've said a gazillion times. Please go check out BuiltBar.com. B-U-I-L-T. B-A-R.com, BuiltBar.com, absolutely delicious. Better than a Cliff Bar, patent pending on that motto. Uh, it's, it's tasty as a Snickers or a Reese's or even one of those cookies and cream Twix bars that I'm so fond of right now. It's better than all that shit. So go check out Built Bar, BuiltBar.com. I think sticking with our recruiting theme, their motto should be, get you a tight end, eat Built Bar. That's, I think, 
I, otherwise, you're a you're a fat ass offensive lineman. <laughs> maybe they, right. maybe they put that in an asterisk or something, you know. Eat the um, competition and play guard, folks. Eat and us, I want to apologize. Eat, eat us, and your eat us and your Gronk, <laughs> folks. I want to apologize. Uh, it's raining like a cow pissing on a flat rock here, and I'm trying to drive. I'm, I got like an emergency trip to Atlanta, and uh, today later on, I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing this thing for the HSA Radio Network where we're going to do something called AHSA Legends, and I'm going to talk to former AHSA folks that, uh, you know, were big names and talk to them mostly about their high school careers. Today, the first initial one is George Teague, and um, I'm looking forward to that, but I got to hurry to Atlanta, get back in time to do that, and blah, blah, blah. You don't want to hear my life story. Um, So then, Jimmy, let's continue on with this recruiting thing. Another interesting thing that BOL – uh, didn't include was a running back. They say, hey, we yeah. don't think Alabama's taking a running back this year. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I think it would be about the most interesting decision that we make in this group, and and uh, I'm, I'm starting to, to, to get on board with it um, in the sense that that there's not a big name back that, 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 that we're number one for. Um, it's not a superb year for backs nationally. There's a few really good ones, but some years it's shooting fish in a barrel this year it's not next year the 22 class very good is even a local kid from theodore that i think is awesome kirsten rogers uh is his name and man i I think that kid's something uh but if alabama skips running back i can see it personally i think you should have five five running backs on the roster that's my, my number i would suggest is always having five and alabama has a whopping seven right now but we'll be losing two in Najee and Brian Robinson which would knock you down to five next season that would be Trey Sanders Keelan Robinson and the three incoming freshmen in the 2020 class so we'd have five so I agree with the notion that you don't have to sign a running back my concern is that having seven this fall might end up running one of them off I mean and, and maybe maybe one of them I mean, think about it. These guys were the stud ball carriers on their high school teams. They're used to getting the ball. They're used to be in the show. And gosh, when you have seven running backs, you probably have four of them at least that really aren't seeing the field much. So one of them could get frustrated and leave. And, and if that happens, then, then, then you could have a numbers issue. I think what Alabama should do, if I was the czar of all things, I think what Alabama should do is develop a relationship with a back that you feel you could get him committed at any time and sort of keep him in your back pocket uh, in case December rolls around and someone like just to pick a name out of a hat, Kyle Edwards up and leaves that then in, in, you know, December 3rd, you're like, all right, let's go ahead and, and take that back and add him to the class. So I think Alabama should continue to recruit, evaluate and develop a relationships with running backs but if none of the returning guys leave uh yeah yeah you don't have to sign one in this group yeah it's it just seems weird not to have a running back in your class i mean just like it seems weird not to have a quarterback in your class i mean um but i can certainly see that and frankly i think that that's alabama's selling point to to keeping everybody on the roster is look yeah Najee's Najee's out of here whether he wants to be or not and Brian Robinson's 
out of here, whether he wants to be or not. So we got five spots, and you guys will be vying for them. And um, I think that yep. that's the selling point for Alabama. That's going to be the recruiting job is trying to recruit the guys on the roster just to stay put, and I think you'll be fine there. So, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk uh, – we didn't get into the offensive line, and we'll say that for the next podcast. But I do want to talk about some kids that are entering the transfer portal, and we'll talk about that in just one second. So, Chedarius Townsend is in the transfer portal. I think that was mm-hmm. a pretty easy prediction. Uh, Ty Shavers, obviously, has already transferred. He's gone to Mississippi State. Scott mm-hmm. Lashley, an offensive lineman, has transferred to Mississippi State. Talia Tungabailoa is at Maryland. Um, Jerome Ford is at Cincinnati. And you still got – Scooby Carter and Markel Benton in the portal. Hell, you got a pretty damn good team transferring out of Alabama. Giles Amos also in the portal. Uh, yeah, great. Oh yeah, great points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, great points. And and I think it's just it, it's just this. I mean, Nick Saban's program has had a ton of attrition from day one, going all the way back to 07 for any number of reasons. Number one, it's hard. It's not. It's not. It's hard work to be at Alabama when you're not happy with your position on the depth chart or something is making you unhappy, it's easy to leave because it's hard to be there. There's a lot of work. Uh, and if you're not getting the payoff on Saturdays uh, or in other ways, uh, it's easy to leave. Secondly, uh, Alabama signing 25 guys a year and 25 times five is 125, but you can only have 85 kids on the team. So when you sign 25 a year, you know, Alabama's probably got 40 you know, you're 40 over in the last five signing classes. So there, there almost has to be some level of attrition just to stay at 85 and, uh, and within the rules. So uh, I think that's a part of it as well. Uh, and here's one more reason there's a lot of attrition, a natural reason, and that's Alabama recruits the best of the best. You see where we're ranked, these recruiting classes every year, number one, number two, no worse than maybe number four or five every year. It's a top five class. And there's still only 22 positions on the field in one ball. So all these guys are highly recruited. They think they're stepping in and starting day one because they've been badasses their whole lives. They get to Alabama and they're like, holy crap, I'm going to have to sit for three years. And some of them say, screw that, I'm out of here. Uh, I want to go play. And it's it's completely understandable. Somebody like Jerome Ford, a perfect example. I think a pretty good player, a developmental guy. Maybe if he stays at Alabama, he ends up finding out that he's more of a defensive back than a running back, maybe. Uh, but why would Jerome Ford stick around when he could go to a place like Cincinnati and, and not only stick at running back, guy up there? So just using him as an example, I don't think he left upset. I've seen some of his tweets after he left. He's actually still a fan of Alabama and even encouraged. Uh, I think it's a Jai Hall that he knows well, you know, to sign with Alabama. So uh, – it's just going to happen. And, uh, Shavers and Townsend are losses in this sense. I think they're both good players, and I think they would have contributed at Alabama. They wouldn't have been the stars, but they would have contributed had they stayed, you know, this year or next. But Mississippi State, such a great choice for Shavers. Look, State is is going under a huge transition. They're going from what was two years ago a spread ball control offense. To Moorhead, you know, they had a, a, a guy that rushed for, I think, 1,300 yards last year running back. You know, Moorhead will run the ball. Now they're bringing in Mike Leach to throw it all over the place. And Mississippi State for years has not had a good wide receiver core. It's a great opportunity for transfer receivers going to Starkville right now. 
Uh, it's not far from Tuscaloosa at all. It's in the SEC. You got a good quarterback that's going to be throwing you the ball in KJ Costello. Uh, I think it's a good choice for Shavers. If they have an additional spot, I think Townsend should follow him right over there personally. Yeah, that's it really is interesting that uh, you've got you could have three guys from Alabama at Mississippi State. And look, I, kudos to Mississippi State. I think they'd be capitalizing. I mean, you get three guys that know a lot about a winning program, that, that know something about uh, playing in big-time moments. They, they didn't necessarily get all the all the playing time as, as some of the, their cohorts at Alabama, but they know what it takes. And uh, Shavers did have a right. – uh, what, he, he, he had a punt block return for a touchdown, I think, last year. He did. He did. That's true. He was going to have another one. And if you remember, like it went right through his yeah. hands. I think it was during, against Ole Miss. It went right through his hands and ended up in the hands of Ali Cahoe, who was the one who blocked the punt. Cahoe, yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, that could have been a, a, another. But, yeah, Shavers is a good player. Here's one thing that's frustrating. I saw a couple of comments on some big public boards that's frustrating for me. I think sometimes our own fans don't realize how freaking good Alabama is. I mean, they're fans of Alabama and don't understand how good Alabama is. And what I mean by that is they think Shavers and Townsend aren't good because they haven't played much and they haven't seen them and they've been in the program for a while and they haven't played. So they think they're not good. People, first of all, both were pretty highly recruited, especially Shavers. He he was ranked 70th in the nation uh, when when he came out of high school and signed with Alabama. Uh, All we know about how good or bad they are is they're not as good as Judy Ruggs, Waddle, Devontae Smith, and John Mechie. That's that's all we know. They're not that good. Well, guess what? You can be not as good as that group and still be way better than bad. There's a gulf between how good those guys are and bad. And they're somewhere in that gulf. But for, for people to imply that they aren't good players, because they haven't played at Alabama is really nuts. It's not, they're, they're, you're not acknowledging how good Alabama is. You have to be at Alabama, especially at that position. If you want to play, you're an NFL freak. And it's not insulting to an SEC athlete when, when they're not an NFL freak. Very few are. All right, buddy. That's going to wrap up this podcast, and we will be back with another podcast in the week. Just by the way, special announcement, there's going to be a roundtable podcast that will go out over all the Locked On networks. And it's I think it's five African-American hosts from various Locked On podcasts and just talking about race relations in the United States and, and I guess worldwide and what's been going on, obviously, in the country. And it's going to be an interesting perspective because it is going to be uh, somewhat sports oriented, but I know your boy Q, who we have talked to uh, with the Locked On Raiders podcast, will be a part of it, and he's such a good guy. And so it'll be interesting. That's going to go out on Thursday over all the Locked On channels. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Be sure to check that out. But Jimmy and I should be back on Friday, and we'll talk offensive line recruiting, uh, the predictions from BOL. Hopefully, we'll have a commitment by then, maybe. And uh, we'll also talk about the defensive side predictions from BOL. So until then, roll tide. Roll tide.